0: The series that we're kicking off today is called The Other Side of Fear. Um, I'm going to just tell you in a big, big picture here what we're looking at and why it is we feel like we need to talk about this as a church, as followers of Christ. And our theme verse comes from 2 Timothy uh, 1.7. All right, this is our theme verse. I'm going to read it for us and then I'm going to have you guys read it with me. This is a verse I would love for you guys to put to memory Uh, as we look at this over the next several weeks. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind, which translated oftentimes as discipline, self-discipline. So let's read this one uh, together out loud. Ready? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind fear is one of those things that, that uh, I think you guys are probably familiar with. We usually think about fear in the, uh, you know, childhood, the young adult, adult sense of scared of heights, scared of these things, you know, scared of things, fearful of things. Um, but I love the way Paul writes to Timothy and talks about the spirit of fear because the spirit of fear is an underlying thing. It's an underlying thing that affects all of our lives, it's in everything in our lives, and it shows up in all different kinds of faces and masks and and, and ways in which we sort of just view as normal. They're just normal things about life, we don't necessarily call them fear. And yet they all find their roots in the spirit of fear. The underlying force there is, it can be like anxiety and stress and worry or concern, apprehension, panic, anger, compromise, impatience, your control issues, even perfectionism, and even procrastination. You can find in these things an the underlying idea that these are all driven by a spirit of fear. And one of the biggest things that's breaking my heart recently is just watching the church be hijacked in our culture by a spirit of fear. Fear. The followers of Christ. We're supposed to look different. We're supposed to you know, engage life differently. He called us to be set apart for a reason. He called us to be the alternative to culture for a reason. And yet the problem is that when it comes to this spirit of fear and all the many ways in which it shows up, the difference between the world and those who follow Christ is indistinguishable because we respond the same way. That's just not the way it was meant to be. Matter of fact, if you know this, be uh, be not afraid. I think it is, or do not don't be afraid and fear not. These are the two most repeated instructions and commands in Scripture. Really, it really is. I think you, if you look it up, Google or your social media feed, somebody will post it at some point. Oh, there's 364 four or five ways that, you know, that God says don't be afraid, one for every day of your life and. I don't know if that's true, to be honest with you. I've, I've studied it a few different times, and I've gotten more references on fear. Sometimes I've got less references when you think about the words. But, but I know it's profoundly true, and the, the reason that it exists is because there is, God didn't have to remind us not to be afraid if there was nothing to fear. So the reason that it's constantly, we're constantly reminded to don't be afraid and, and fear not is because our lives are filled with things that cause fear fear. Everything from loss, physical loss, family loss, financial loss, failure, pain, sickness, cancer, betrayal, heartbreak, war, hunger, oppression, tragedy, and snakes. (laughs) Thought I'd go ahead and throw that in there, right? I mean, there's stuff to fear. Let me just be honest. And yet here's this reminder, this repetitious instruction from the Word of God that says, don't be afraid, fear not. And it always seems like, and I've talked to a lot of people, especially on their discipleship journey, and it just sort of seems like people tend to feel that the 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 life that God has for them, the the dreams, the promises, the future they desire, this abundant life they read about and in scripture that Jesus talked about wanting for his children. People just seem like it's so disconnected, it's so far away from their current reality, it seems so much like out there and on the other side of what they're facing. And so this whole series is dealing with this one single question. How do we get to the other side of fear? How do we move, not just from the fact that there's things to be afraid of or things that can cause fear, how do we move forward? How do we press forward? To the other side of fear. And this is why I wanted to give you the illustration today. It's the reason I'm wearing my jersey. All right. Blair had to remind me that they're not playing yet. And that is true. I do know that. Okay. For those that know me, I'm not a huge football fan. Didn't grow up with football. Didn't, you know, didn't play it, which I know is a shame. My Christian school couldn't afford the insurance. So we played volleyball. Okay. So um, (laughs) that was the closest contact sport we were allowed to play. And so I just I say that to say I really didn't grow up with it, but you know I was here. I was 20 years old when, when the Panthers played their inaugural season here in Charlotte. And so my wife and I were married, and you know I just loved kind of watching our, our local team and sport. I haven't always loved watching them play. Let me just rephrase, rephrase that. Don't always love watching them play, but I, I love being able to support this local team. I know you have your teams and your ideas. Pastor Don, it's his, it's his big day. I would have wore a jersey. I would have wore a Michigan jersey for you if I had one, by the way. I want you to know. And then everybody would have been sad. You know, so yeah, I would have i would have definitely done that just for you. But I want you to picture, I've gotten a little bit more into it, by the way, just because my son's been playing. He played a little bit in middle school and then COVID happened and then he actually got to play last year uh, in his freshman year, which was awesome. So I love i love learning a little bit more as he's learning and engaging in the sport and, And I actually love just what the the big picture of the understanding of what's happening at the line of scrimmage, right? There's these two opposing forces, and I just love the picture that one's objective is just to get the ball, it's to get their team yard by yard, further and further towards their goal, right? Towards what their goal is, it's to move forward, to press forward. But they have this huge opposing force, this defensive line. And their primary objective is to not only stop them and stop you from moving forward, but to also cause you to shrink back and to to push you back. And I, I don't know if there's a better, I don't know, picture sometimes of what I see spiritual battle when it comes to this issue of fear. As these two opposing forces and our kind of engagement and response to the goal that God has for us in terms of our lives and to the opposing force that we feel kind of pressing in on us, trying to keep us from moving forward. And trying to keep us not just from moving forward, but to actually cause us to shrink back. And so what I want to introduce today is this idea of we all need to have a response plan. I was gonna say a game plan, you know, but you know, basically every every team that goes into a game has a game plan plan. So that's, that's kind of ridiculous to just say a game plan. It's when you get into the thick of it. Okay. You guys know that when you watch this, I mean, when you get into the thick of it, it's not actually, you know, it's kind of like you have a game plan, but sometimes that gets thrown out the window depending on what's happening defensively and offensively. So you've sometimes seen quarterbacks. They have this little cheat sheet wristband thing here. They got plays on here. Nothing's written so you can tell or understand it because they got codes and all these kind of things. And the coaches are calling it from the side, Eagle, four, zero, you know, whatever they're doing. <laughs> Trying to call it from there. They got the guy, the guy in the—the the guy in the box, let them know what's happening on the field. And And here's the quarterback looking at his cheat sheet to try to help his team respond to what's happening to them. And the way I see it is that when it comes to this idea of the spirit of fear, we need a response plan. Things that we've practiced, things that we've rehearsed, things that we've planned for. Everybody say planned for. Planned for. Yeah, we planned for it. We know that things are going to come our way. We know that things are going to cause us to fear. But in order for us to get to the other side of that, we're going to need... A response plan, something that we've prepared for, something that we've rehearsed, something that we are ready to engage in. And the scripture I want to read today and kind of look at is is one about the people of God. This is in the Old Testament. The people of God and just the way in which fear just really almost shut them down fully. And what it looks like for you to have a response plan in the midst of the spirit of fear. If you want to turn in your Bible, It's no, it's numbers thirteen. We're gonna start there. We're gonna bounce around a little bit. We're gonna go to Joshua as well. But I'm gonna kind of walk you through the story. All right, this is after God's people have already been, um, uh, you know, uh, freed from slavery, freed from the Egyptians. They've already crossed the Red Sea. They've already made their way towards the Promised Land, and they're close. All right, they're they're close to achieving everything that God promised them. And we're going to start here in Numbers 13. And it says, The Lord said to Moses, I want you to send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm going to give to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. The 12 tribes, again, historically, that's, that's, that's something you need to know, but one from every tribe. And he goes on to explain who they are. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, all tribal leaders of Israel from their camp in the wilderness, of so he picks these guys. Now, now notice this, God told Moses to do this. God wants the Israelites to know what's in their future. He wants them to know what's ahead, right? So that's a good thing, right? God wants He wants them to see and know what the land is like, what's actually being promised to them. So Moses gives them some instructions. Let's go down to verse, uh, keep going, 18. Moses says, look, see what the land is like. Find out whether people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Keep going. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls? Are they unprotected? Like open camps. Keep going. Is the soil fertile or poor? Is there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops that you see. And And if you skip down to verse 28, it actually shows that they, they came to the valley. Oh, no, keep going back there, But They go back to the valley of, I think it's, I don't remember the name of it. There you go. Uh, Ashol, he says, they went back to the valley. You got me on two different screens. <laughs> Match this one for me. There you go. They cut down a branch. I just want you to see this. They cut down a branch of a single cluster of grapes, so large, that there's two of them to carry on a pole between them. Boy. Right, talk about some grapes. Like you know, that's that's part of this goal was like, look, go see, go check it out, go figure out what's ahead, go see what, go scope it out. God wanted them to know, and He says, and you know what, bring back some stuff, Bring like get other people excited. And I think that was part of the reason, like get other people excited. Bring back some of the crops you find, and can you imagine them walking back into town with a with a cluster of one cluster of grapes on a pole? Between two of them, they've been wandering in the desert for years, living on manna. Do you have any idea what a grape looks like after that? Woo! Man. Well, here's what happened. It says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And then it says this, they reported to the whole community what they had seen and then showed them the fruit. They had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. Look, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. Beautiful. A land flowing with milk and honey. Look, here's the kind of fruit it produces. But, but the people living there are, what's the word? Powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. This would have been like a legend in their mind. We saw giants there. You know, the people that we didn't, weren't even sure were real. We saw giants there. And it says, quickly, Caleb tried to quiet the people. As he stood up before Moses, now just to let you know, Caleb was one of the 12 spies. Ten of them start giving this report that, hey, everything's beautiful, but this. And Caleb goes, hey, hey, quiet, quiet, quiet. Let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly certainly conquer it. Caleb's like, no, 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 no. I know where you guys are going. Hold on. And he tries to throw it in real quick. You just get one verse. (laughs) Caleb, hey, whoa, 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 guys, let's go right now before you guys say any more. Let's go. We're going to do it. We can do it but it keeps going. The other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. Say those two words out loud. Hmm. Just because I know we've all said that before, let's just say it again. We can't. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And then they keep going. And they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we're traveling through or traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. The land's going to eat you up. And all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Enoch. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. It was a, an agreed upon consensus. Like that's, that's what's going on. You won't believe how awesome this place is, but uh, there's rivers we got to cross, and this is part of what God already knew. There's rivers we got to figure out and cross. There's, there's fortified cities. There's walls. There's fortified cities. There's powerful armies. There's powerful people. And guys, there's giants. We've never even seen a giant, and there are giants there. And just like a cancer and a rumor... It spreads through the whole camp. It spreads through the whole camp. It goes on in, November, in, in Numbers 14 to say this. The whole community, whole community okay, because of the report that's coming out, the whole community, community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus to, of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. Can you just hear the cry now, right? If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to the country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones would be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? So then they, what's the word? Say it Oh, yeah, that's what happens next. They plotted among themselves. Hey, let's choose a new leader. Let's go back to Egypt. Do you know who these people are? These people who are crying all night long? These people who are like freaking out, saying, why why didn't God just kill us? If he's going to plan on killing us, why did he kill us back there? Why is he taking us to die? You know who these people are that are plotting to overthrow God's leaders. These are the same people who had just been freed from a lifetime of slavery and oppression. These are the same people, guys, who walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They're the same people that turned around and saw, you know, Pharaoh's army coming through and watched God crush them. And then they sang a song and wrote a song about it. Oh, they crushed the people. Yeah, 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 you know. (laughs) I didn't sing it right, but that's the way they did it. They wrote a song. They built altars. Like, this is this. Listen, it's the same people. Everybody tracking? You thinking, I'm telling you, every one of us has had this thought, oh, if God would open up the ground for me, if God would part the sea for me, I'd never question the Lord. Oh, I'd never be fearful again. And here they are, years later, after God has provided for them, kept them safe, brought them victory over people already, this bad report of the land Oh, we can't go! No, 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 no! There's so much to be afraid of, and the whole community, in a spirit of fear, grips them. And they start to see. They start. They start to believe that God is now against them, and they forgot who they are. So here we read in in, in Numbers again. And you'll see the heartbreak of this. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of uh, Jephun, tore their clothing. This is grief. Just hear this. This is grieving. They tore their clothes in grieving. Their heart was broken to hear this. And then they said to all the people of Israel, look, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. It's a wonderful land. Keep going. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It's rich land. This is exactly what he promised. This rich land, flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. I love the fact that they, they distinguish two things here. Guys, you guys have borderlined. You're borderline doing two things. Number one, you are going against God. Please, for the love of God, don't do that. And secondly, don't be fearful of them. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Everybody say it out loud. The Lord is with us. One more time. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Can you hear this little, this Captain America pep talk? Do you guys get, get what I'm saying? Like, do you hear this? They come out, they're grieving, they're heartbroken, but they're like, don't, don't go against God and do not be afraid of them. They're, they're helpless because God isn't with them. God is with us. Two out of 12 see the exact same defensive line crashing in. Two out of 12 see the exact same thing that everybody else saw. Oh yes, the land is beautiful. It's it's abundant. It's flowing with milk and honey. But only two of them were able to get to the other side of fear. And say, no, 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 guys. We can do it. We can do it. See, the problem with fear, people sometimes think that fear is a lack of faith, but it's actually just faith in the enemy. Did you know that? Fear, when you give in to fear, fear is just basically like, I trust and have faith that the enemy's will is going to prevail. I trust and have faith that, with their, that the, the negative things and the bad things that they want to do or that they're planning to do, I trust more in the fact that they're going to succeed than I trust in my God. Fear is faith in the enemy. Don't skip past this too quickly. This is the reason we need a response plan. This is the reason you go to, you go to your, 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 thing, you know, you, you have things that show up and I'm not saying the things again, don't hear me ever say this. I'm not saying that things aren't going to show up and cause fear in you. But in that moment, it's time to go to your response plan. Okay. They're going to the right. They're going to try this. They're going to do that. Okay. Let me go ahead and get out my thing right here. Right? The spirit of fear isn't coming from God. Oh, that's what I need to know. Bam. Number one, you know, that fear that I'm feeling It's not from God. Everybody say, not from God. God. Yeah, everything that rises up in fear in me is not from him. Okay, cool, I got it. Oh, but look what I do have. I've been given power. I've been given love. I've been given a sound mind. I've been given the, the discipline needed to navigate through this. Here's another great one they probably would have known. Isaiah 41, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. We have to have a response plan. We have to have rehearsed and planned and prepared for the fact that things are going to come. Things are going to cause fear, but you do not have to be crippled or paralyzed or beaten by that spirit of fear, you can move to the other side. You can still move forward. We're gonna fast forward about 40 years because God judges the people there and everyone in the older generation was gonna wander in the wilderness and die in the the wilderness. They were never gonna see the promised land that they rebelled against God because of the fear they had. Consequences, guys. Just here, there's consequences to the decisions you make out of fear in your life. Consequences. And we jump to Joshua because now Moses has died and the mantle of leadership has been passed to Joshua. And here's God now saying to Joshua that I'm going to be with you the way I was with Moses. That's what he says to him. I'm going to be with you the way I was with Moses. Everything I promised Moses, I'm promising you. And here's the response plan that God speaks into Joshua's life. I want you to be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Keep going. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions that Moses gave you, right? That's here. That's the the response plan. Do not deviate from them, turning either from the right or the left. You will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. okay. Continually meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. And only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. <laughs> be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is, two words, with you, with you wherever you go. Talk about a response plan. Joshua, I'm gonna give you everything, and I just want you to know: look, if you just if you just go to the word of God, if you just trust in my word, if you study it continually, if you if you if you plan and rehearse and prepare for what's coming, and you don't deviate from it, you obey it, nothing's gonna stop you. Because I am with you. (laughs) I wrote this down. I wrote this down. I needed to say it because this is just what I was personally feeling. We have to stop overestimating our enemy, and we have got to stop underestimating Jesus. We have got to stop overestimating the power of the enemy and the spirit of fear that 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 underlines our life. We're overestimating what it can do. And at the same time, guys, we are, we are underestimating Jesus. We're underestimating the power that lives in us. See, here's the problem. Most of us, and I'm going to kind of work our way to the close. Most of us believe that if, that if the hard times come that God is not with us anymore. Most of us believe that if it's a challenge, if it's a if it's hardship, if it doesn't go perfectly, that we made a mistake. God must not have said that. God didn't mean that. Like, could you, could you imagine the Israelites crossing the Jordan River and the first thing they come into a walled city in Jericho and they look around and go, dude, we took the wrong river. Like we totally took the wrong. Like, surely the first thing we come to is not a fortified walled city. That's not God's plan. We have got to do got, we gotta to get to this place where we understand that, that getting to the other side of fear, conquering fear, having victory over that spirit of fear does not mean that he's gonna remove all the things that cause fear. I wrote it this way. Faith is not the absence of fear, but it's the presence of absolute hope. Faith is not the absence of fear. And I don't want you to ever hear that. It's, we don't preach any name it and claim it stuff at our church. We, do, we don't do it. all right. But we want you to understand our faith is real. Our faith is the true faith that we read in Hebrews 11. It's confidence in what's unseen, it's assurance of things to come. That's our faith. And it's not because we don't experience those feelings of fear, it's because we have the presence of absolute hope. We have the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. That's what moves us forward. Instead of melting in fear and shrinking back. And then I just got to read this this part next. I love this because God wanted us to have this. He wanted us to see this. Remember when Caleb and Joshua was like, they're just pray to us. Remember when they said that? They were just like, oh, these guys are just pray to us. Why? Because God's not with them. He's with us. I think God wanted us to see this. Because when... They went into the land, so really quickly, Joshua sends two spies, all right, because he knew 12 was stupid. That's what he, learned that right there. 12, we're not doing 12 again. Two, only two made sense, we're only going to send two. He sends two spies into Jericho to check things out, and they meet a woman named Rahab there. And Rahab actually hides them and protects them. But as they're talking to Rahab, I want you to see what Rahab says to the spies of God's people. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk to him. Just, just, just hear these words. I know the Lord has given you this land, she said, and we are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. We've heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we've heard and we know that, you, that what you did to Shion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is supreme, God of the heavens above the earth and below. Don't you just love that? Rahab's like, look, We are scared to death of you. All the Israelites for 40 years wandered, wandered in Egypt, or wandered in the desert because they melted in fear of what might be and what could be in the land. And Joshua begins to take those steps to be strong and courageous and to move past that fear, to move to the other side of fear. And then Rahab shares the secret. We're terrified of you. We're the ones melting in fear. God wants you to know that. God wants you to know that. I'll tell you who doesn't want you to know that. The enemy. The enemy does not want you to know that hell itself quakes at the word and the name of Jesus Christ. And he's not afraid of you or me, necessarily just us. He's afraid of the name we carry. Our shirts don't say Panthers or Steelers or Patriots. Our shirts say King Jesus. Because that's whose team we're on. And that's whose name we carry. And that's whose righteousness we're clothed in. And the enemy sure doesn't want Christians to wake up. And realize that there's no reason to fear when you carry the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That they melt in fear at his name. That hell trembles at his name. And that is the name that we move in. It's in him that we move, live and move and have our being. Let me wrap it up with this, uh, this challenge that Paul gave to the church in Rome. He said this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? I mean, he started off earlier saying, look, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who, who is accusing you if God is for you? Does it mean he no longer loves us? when we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death. Yes, that's exactly what it means. Be afraid, very afraid. Go back. That's the Matt Dawson version, by the way. That's not what it says. But boy, isn't that the way Christians respond right now? Does it mean that God is against you and not with you if you're hungry or experiencing problems or illness or loss or tragedy or cancer or pain or anxiety or depression or fear? Does it mean that God's not with you? And guys, Christians, followers of Jesus today who do not have a a response plan, they have not planned and prepared to go to battle with the spirit of fear, they respond and they go, yeah, I think that's what it means. And Paul's telling the church in Rome, he's reminding them, reminding them of their response plan. He says, that's not the way it says it. He says this, no. Why? Because despite all these things, meaning that those things are still here. Despite the things that live in a broken world that we experience because of the brokenness of this world, despite those things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, keep going, uh, neither fears of today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky on the earth, sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord." Guys, I'm telling you, I don't know who this is hitting today, but for the majority of Christians and Christ followers, we are living our lives too often by a spirit of fear. We have not planned, we have not prepared, we have not put these scriptures to memory, we have not meditated on them. That's why we do these these series about reading your Bible, and we do these series about how to have biblical worldviews and and convictions that are rooted in, in scripture. Why? Because it's what matters. It's what's going to be there to help you move forward towards the goal and the prize that he has for you. But you've got to get to the other side of fear. You've got to be able to move to the other side of fear to begin to experience this. And you need a response plan. We all do. We need a response plan. We need to be able to have our go-to scriptures, our, our, our prayers, our understanding of who God is and who we are in him and whose name we carry. We're going to spend the next few weeks just talking about this and working through, how do we get this response plan? How do we move forward and how do we get past and get to the other side of fear so that you and I can start to experience that despite the things that are there, the overwhelming victory that is ours through Jesus Christ, our Lord.